Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's May 21st, 1914. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. So it was on this day that the famed US bus company Greyhound Buses took its first ever load of passengers, except it wasn't a bus, it wasn't called Greyhound, and there's the outside chance that it also wasn't on this day, it might have been May 9th, depending on which website you read. (laughs) But it became a juggernaut, right? I mean, they're the biggest coach company in the USA, they're probably the only coach company that the whole world has heard of as a brand, which is kind of amazing when most of us haven't been on it. So it is astonishing that it started out just as this carload of people who were being given a a lift from one city to another. In fact, the story goes that the main founder, this Swedish guy called Carl Wickman, who in his early life was known as Martus Jerk, he'd gone to the States to become a miner, quit that or got made redundant, and then bought this car dealership and found that he was living in this town that was mostly populated by miners and most of them couldn't afford cars. So that business failed. But he had this car and he did have one thing that he knew miners did need, which was a lift to the mines. And so he packed this seven-seater oh, How, how were they of mine. the mines before? I guess they were driving themselves or getting lifts with friends or whatever. There was more demand than there was supply. And, and there it was, was a commuter service, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it just exactly. sounds like what happened is he basically borrowed one of his own cars that he was supposed to be selling. Mm. And if you look at the, the cars, my God, it's like a seven-seater car, but it looks like, do you remember what the, um, the Ant Hill mob used to drive in Wacky Races? <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's that. that. It's that. Exactly it's like you've got two like guys that. and then you've got a little shelf with more guys on it and then another <laughs> shelf with a couple more guys on it. And, and Wi-Fi and plugs for your laptop. Oh, you're not going to like this one bit, Ollie. This is going to be a long journey to the mine for you. <laughs> but the weird thing is there were loads of what we'd call startups. Basically, you know, as more people got access to cars, they're mm. looking around at their carless neighbours and thinking, well, I'll kind of pick you up maybe at this time and I'll maybe pick you up afterwards. You know, they didn't have set timetables or stops or anything. The first ones were literally just long cars. It's really weird mm. when you look at them because you can't really picture a time before buses. But the first yeah. purpose-built passenger bus was didn't come till 1921, and it was called Whoa. the Fagiole Safety Coach. Mm-hmm. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So he was seven years ahead yep. of buses being invented by establishing a bus <laughs> company. Yeah, exactly. And they, the, 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 the big advantage of the safety coach and what made it a safety coach was that it was designed to not tip over while turning corners. Well, I mean, that makes sense when you realise that his approach to getting lots of miners into a small vehicle was just to pack them into a small vehicle. And, he'd, and literally there were people hanging off the bumpers at each end. So he would commonly take 15 people in this car that was designed for seven. It's not so far off the contemporary experience of travel. 
travelling with Greyhound, as I understand it, from some blogger accounts. But in the year after, he then partnered with another improbably named guy called Andy Anderson, and then proving that you, pretty much everyone in the company in the early days had to have a silly name. The next year, he joined forces with a guy called Ralph Bogan. And it was then that really this bus company started to take off. And in its first full year of operations, it made $8,000 in profit. But by the end of World War One in 1918, he had 18 buses, which I suppose were still sort of converted coaches, um, and he was turning a profit of about 40000 a year. So that's kind of the birth of the Greyhound bus company, but it was still called the Motor Transit Corporation. And it wasn't actually until the early 20s that one of the drivers looked in his reflection in a shop that he was passing and thought that the reflection looked like a Greyhound dog. And so he named his bus the Greyhound, and it was only in the 30s that it then became the actual name of the company. And it was in the 1930s, unfortunately, that the company's fortunes took a massive downturn because the Great Depression arrived. And although obviously bus travel is pretty cheap as travel goes, a lot of ordinary people couldn't afford to travel anywhere. And so the company went into debt. And then an interesting thing happened, which is A, the depression started to lift a little bit. B, people said, you know what, buses really don't look like dogs. This is a weird <laughs> name for a company. <laughs> in 1934, the film It Happened One Night came out. I don't know if you've seen it. It's an absolute cracker. It was the first film to win all four major Oscars. Mm-hmm. Best use of a coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a rom-com, Claudette Colbert and Clark Gable, and she's a snotty heiress, and he's a like wisecracking reporter, and they the main plot of the film is that they are on this Greyhound bus journey. I'm so excited for you that this film exists, Rebecca. This sounds like World Dream Night In. <laughs> I know. If I can bring a film of the 1930s into a conversation, I will. Yeah. <laughs> and there were lots of scenes where it was they're on the bus, and there's lots of camaraderie, there's lots of banter, there's a very famous scene where all of the passengers sing The Man in the Flying Trapeze, uh, and it definitely <laughs> made coach travel look like a sort of jolly fun experience. The whole kind of Hollywood and Greyhound thing, I suppose that's why everyone in the world has heard of Greyhound, isn't it? It's because it's not just Hollywood, it's in American songs as well, right the way through from like bebop stuff to hip-hop, references to Greyhound all the time, because Mm. I guess young people are attracted to it because it's cheap. Mm. And so it's in their popular culture in a way that in this country, you know, the X90 and the Megabus just isn't. But but in this country, you kind of have the romanticization of railways. Brief encounter we have, don't we? We don't have, I met one night at Luke Turn. How many times can you think of an American TV series or film that features a scene on a train? Mm. Yeah. And it's because it's expensive, actually. It's the converse reason, isn't it? It's because it's expensive to get the train and really long. Like, it takes five days to get from one side of the country mm. to the other. Yeah. Whereas, I guess, and- coach is quicker, cheaper, so young, young, sexy people are more likely to meet on it. And also, maybe there was a a point about the roads being built, which made people a bit more proud to be American as well, because the railways are a bit rubbish. Like, maybe it's like the the roads from about 1921, as far as I can work out, were properly paved and you could travel into cities. So that felt a bit more progressive, maybe. Yeah, although ultimately the development of highways and the diminishing prices of cars meant that people could get their own automobiles and they'd get around that way rather than getting buses so it was kind of the same thing that propelled buses initially was the thing that ultimately led to their not demise because they're obviously still around but the fact that that romantic sense of travel in the u.s was lost one of the things that shocks me about greyhound though is that they're not american they're owned by a british massive corporation (laughs) first and they were started by a swede called jerk yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that's 
It seems almost un-American for Greyhound to be owned by a British company. Why is this not more widely known? Greyhound should not be owned by the same company that does our town centre buses. Yeah. It just doesn't seem right, does it? No. I, did, I, I bet they protect the Americans from this information. So if you're listening and you're in the States... <laughs> Ignore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is the longest journey that you've ever done on a coach? Year 10, school trip to Cologne. We took a coach trip from Weymouth, Dorset to the German city of Cologne. It transpired eventually that it took about 24 hours. And wow. when the, the insult wow. to injury was when we got there, the teachers were panicked because we were so behind schedule. So we were forced to basically dump our stuff at the hostel and just go out and spend the day in Germany. It was a Christmas trip. We went on a river cruise and I was so tired I wanted to die. <laughs> and I was literally about to put my head on the table to fall asleep. And this guy bursts in dressed as Santa and starts singing and I burst into tears. I was 15. <laughs> I wasn't a child. No, I had to be taken still. up on deck yeah. and calmed down because I was just like, I just want this to end. And it's just got more intense. Well, Well, what about you, Arian? Did you have a holiday ruined by Santa Claus? God, we did once get a bus in school from Sydney to Melbourne, and that would have taken about half a day, but nothing as intense as Rebecca's experience. What about you, Oli? (laughs) I've done an overnight coach in India. I could afford a better seat than some of the locals. So I was sitting in an (laughs) air-conditioned cabin at the front, but still you're talking about a coach that is probably about 35 years old, and... There were no seats because it was an overnight coach. There was just a bed. So you get in and it's quite exciting. You're like, wow, we can lie down. We're on a coach. It's just like first class rail travel in the old days. Then you realise it's like being in a tomb because you have to lie down. I mean, it felt like about 15 hours, but it was probably like seven or something. Was the driving also terrifying or was it... um... Yes, but the advantage was that because it was like a tomb and because it was an overnight thing, there were no windows. So you had no idea where you were, just the feeling of sensation of driving along perilous cliffs. And then the other thing as well was there was no onboard toilet... And before I went, I was like, well, it's fine. I'll just pee in a bottle. And then I realized I cannot, even with a curtain for privacy, pee whilst lying down. Like everything Mm. in my upbringing tells me not to do that. And I I tried. Literally held a bottle over my penis for an hour and tried to wee (laughs) lying down in a moving vehicle. Cannot do it. You have to wait for them to stop at a service station so you can get off, which they do every like four hours. The thing that really sticks in my mind is my friend had diarrhea. When he got there after waiting for four hours to use the toilet, the um, toilets at the service station were closed. So he just had to go and poo in the bushes. And this is like, it's such a vivid memory. Three o'clock in the morning, my friend running and going for a poo in the bush. And then a load of wild boars came and ate his effluence. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> and then we climbed back into our tomb. Yeah. I'm sure you don't get that kind of thing on a greyhound. <laughs> Next time. You're whistling and whistling. You look off to the side and the stage manager is gesturing frantically. Keep whistling. Keep whistling. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program.